Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. It's striking driving around the country at the moment, the amount of rape which is in the ground this year in comparison to other years. These crops have certainly developed very rapidly over the last two months and could only be described as exceptional for this time of year. However, not all of this rape is due to be harvested in July as there are a lot of these brassica crops are forage crops or cover crops and most of these will be destroyed in the coming months. It's estimated the winter oilseed rape planting this year has increased by around 30%, which would push the area close to 11,000 hectares. Given the current forward prices are over 520 euros a tonne for next spring, this should leave a good margin for crops. But nitrogen prices will rise enormously next year, and this will reduce margins substantially. However, if the current green leaf is retained on these crops until next March, then the nitrogen input will be reduced substantially, thereby preserving the margins. Another factor to consider is disease control in these crops. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Stephen Kilday, a plant pathologist from Chagas Oak Park, to discuss controlling foliar diseases in oilseed rape and also the effects fungicides might have in terms of crop height. Stephen, you're very welcome to the podcast. Stephen, we'll get straight into it. Most of the crops that went in in August or early September have grown extremely well over the last month or so. Are these crops too advanced for this time of year? It's a, it's a strange sort of year where we sort of think our, our, two, our crops too advanced in, in, in autumn. Um, I don't think they are. I think, look, we had some excellent conditions in, in August, late August and September to get these crops into the ground, which has really allowed them to get established. Um, and we've had some very, very good establishment. Um, so they're, I would say they're, they're, they're where we want them to be. Maybe there's some crops a little bit a further ahead, but I, I wouldn't think they're, they're too far ahead. I think this is where we actually want crops to be, being honest. Okay, so look, there's probably a few other advantages in it, and we might come back to that maybe later on in terms of maybe the management of in the spring, but we might, we might touch upon that maybe towards the end of the podcast. Um, but just coming back to disease, because obviously there is, there's, um, obviously rape is prone to disease and it and, and, uh, does need to be covered by disease. And, and I suppose, look, we have to remember, I suppose, that there's perhaps some new growers in growing oilseed rape this year, um, given the price was in it, encouraged people into it, about 30% more, they reckon it. So just thinking about that and thinking about maybe the newer people, um, what are the diseases that growers should be looking out for in rape at the moment? So at, at this time of the year, we're really talking about two major diseases. Um, and as, as I say, crops are where they want to be at this time of the year, but that also will lead to, I suppose, the development of diseases because they would have went into the ground very early, lots of canopy, lots of potential for those crops to get them. The diseases I'm talking about are FOMA uh, and light leaf spot. So the FOMA is one that you might see is at the, um, a sort of a, a white, whitish type lesion or spot on the leaf. And in that you might have what's called black pycnidia. Um, it's very clear. Um, and that's in terms of causing damage, it's not the damage necessarily now, but it's, it's at the, I suppose when it comes through later in the year, it causes a disease that would be stem canker and that can lead to lodging uh, and premature sort of loss or senescence of the crop. So that's where its damage comes in. But it, the problem is created at this stage of the year because it actually is allowed, it's, it grows into the, into the crop. The second one that I talk about was, was light leaf spot. Um, and I suppose our weather conditions in Ireland being sort of mild and damp um, are ideal for this in that it is one that will it, it'll all of a sudden appear very, uh, very quickly and can cause a lot of damage mostly into the spring when the buds are starting to emerge because it can actually damage the, the buds emerging and, and sort of knock off yield and knock off those potential pods even before they're pollinated or before they're flower, etc. So 
they're really the two major diseases that I'd be sort of thinking of at the moment in most crops. There are some other ones that I are, I suppose, more minor. You'll have some mildews. You might have white leaf spot. Um, they're not as, I suppose, as important in terms of yield damaging as those two that I mentioned, foam and light, and light leaf spot. Okay. And how, how is even our varieties set up to, to resist those diseases? In terms of varieties, look, variety, as, as I always say, is the, the pillar of IPM is the ability to resist or prevent the disease coming in. So the variety is a very important component. And from a FOMA perspective, we must look, but there are varieties there that have some very, very good resistance. Um, and utilizing that resistance is very important. Um, from a light leaf spot perspective, we, we tend to look at the varieties and they tend to be middle of the road. And um, maybe there are six or there might be even a seven. And especially when we look across the water to... Uh, the ratings that would be in England to be six, seven. I think that's going to be reflective or that's the rating for light leaf spot is always dependent on, on the pressure that is experienced in that year. And I think it's a case and that it might look as a, it might come out as a, a six or a seven, but actually if it comes under pressure, that can be knocked back and um, maybe one or two points in, in terms of that. So it's really about from the FOMA, yeah, it, we've got some very good resistance that we can rely on. From the light leaf spot, it's going to be an aspect of growing the most resistant variety that we potentially can, and then uh, monitoring it and reflect or basically reflecting what the, the pressure might be in that given year. And, and as I say, that's, that's the mild damp weather conditions that are going to drive that. So I suppose at this stage, obviously, people can't try, can't do anything about the variety they have in, they have in what they have in, and and we would hope that most would pick out varieties with uh, resistance for like leaf spot of of hopefully seven or, or greater. But it's I think it's kind of difficult enough to get it better than that. But in terms of the weather, Stephen, over the last three months, which has been very very warm um, and very wet, I suppose over the last number of weeks, how would that have played into the hands of increasing the level of disease in comparison to maybe a normal year if there's such a thing anymore? <laughs> such a thing anymore is the, is the question, Michael. It's, there's a, sort of a combination of things that will, will have influenced it. I suppose a lot of crops went in a little bit earlier, maybe because the conditions were there um, and I suppose the slots were available to get them in. So they went in, they got established very well. And that will have allowed um, both diseases, FOMA and likely spot, to carry over from previous years. So that, that sort of, that is an aspect that will, will have already fed into that. And the second thing that you said, look, it has been perfectly, it's been very warm sort of conditions. And that will allow certain like FOMA definitely to develop uh, and likely spot also. Um, we, maybe the, the higher temperatures can, I suppose, uh, slow the likely spot. It, it likes a little bit cooler. Um, but definitely the FOMA would have been one that potentially could develop. And that's where that resistance and building on the variety of resistance is very, very important. Okay, so uh, the chances are there, there might be disease out there, but have you found any out in fields as yet? Um, FOMA is one that I have seen a few pictures of or a few samples of. Um, so definitely some FOMA has been, is out there or has been out there. The light leaf spot, it tends to be one that is a little bit more difficult to identify, I suppose, at this stage. Um, from probably now through to December, I, I, I'd imagine that we would start to see some likely spot. But what I'd say is in the field itself, if you're seeing it in the field itself, there's you can be damn sure there's quite a lot of it in that field. Generally, at this time of the year, we'd probably have to, what we'd say, sort of uh, bag them or hot press them where you, you put them in the bag and allow it to be incubated over, over a couple of days and to start to see that spiralation. So what I would say, if you're in a field and you do see likely spot, it would be a case that there's probably a lot starting to develop in that crop. Um, now, 
previous years, we would have seen it at this time of the year. I, a number of years that would spring out to me in my mind would be 2014, um, which followed on then in spring. It was quite a lot of light leaf spot there again in 2017, where we would have seen this in the field. You could easily see uh, sparulate and light leaf spot. And that cor corresponded that was a high level of disease then in, in springtime. Um, so it would be a case of getting into fields. The, as I said, the disease is there. The diseases are more than likely there, the light leaf spot. It will be a little bit more difficult, but I wouldn't be surprised if I was starting to see some definitely in the next couple of weeks. Anyway. And, and Stephen, you mentioned IPM there a, a little while ago. And, and with that, obviously, we, we always talk about, you know, making sure that the, 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 uh, not just the conditions are right for um, getting out to, to spray it, but that you're, you're doing it for a reason. Um, with that in mind, is there a threshold for these diseases before a farmer should um, put fungicide into the tank and go out and, and, and apply it through a crop? Yeah, absolutely, Michael. Look, one of the key pillars, as I say, is variety. But the second aspect of it is then you have to monitor these things. Um, you have to see, as you say, are you doing it for a reason? Um, for FOMA, definitely, look, there's, there's, there's very very good sort of thresholds in that it would be between 10 and 20% um, infection in, in, in the field. And that sort of is a, is, is a broad enough range, if you think about it. But it comes down to actually the development of the disease and how it will cause its damage. So I'd imagine that if it's a small crop, if you've got a very small crop, a small number of leaves, and you've got 10% infection, there's a greater chance there that it'll actually get into the stem and cause damage later on in the season than if you have a big crop. In the big crop, it has a longer way to grow to get into, the, into those stems because you've got big leaves. It'll have to get in there. So it has a higher threshold in that stage. So that's where you'd be looking at that 20% in, in, in FOMA if you've got a big crop. Light leaf spot, as I say, if you're seeing it in the field, it, it's definitely, even if it's even if you're finding one or two plants, you can be sure that actually it's going to multiply very rapidly, um, especially over the, the, the winter months, because that's, I suppose, the conditions um, that are ideal for it. So it's sort of threshold. Previously, there would have been one. I think now it's a case in that if you're seeing it in the field, it is a, you need to start thinking about uh, treating for it. Okay, so... In, in that scenario, in terms of treatment for it, is it too late to, to have a go at it? Are these things all preventative or is there something that can be done now at this stage? So there, would be, there is definitely something that can be done at this stage. So from the, the former perspective, what you're trying to do is you're trying to prevent it from getting into the stem and getting in there at this stage because that's when it's going to get in and it's going to cause the damage. So even if, if you're seeing it now, it's preventative type of treatment that you're doing. You're, you're trying to delay it or prevent it from getting there. And making its way down to the stem. In the light leaf spot, as I say, its damage is really going to be in spring and it's going to be into the, when those buds are starting to emerge. So what you're going to try and do is try and delay the development of that from happening. Um, so that's where you would try to hold back the development or the, the epidemic of light leaf spot. And that's why if you're seeing it now, you know that by the time it comes to those buds emerging in spring, if you don't do any, take any action at this stage, there'll be quite of an inoculum potentially built up in that crop. And at that stage, it could be difficult to get in um, and get the timing right to protect those buds as they are emerging. So that's why we would be sort of saying that treatment for light leaf spot, if you're seeing it now, is going to be required. Okay. So just, I suppose, maybe just to finish off that point, um, in terms of when growers are going to come back early next year, you're, you're talking about somewhere in kind of February or March or April, or when's, what's the general run of when you're looking at that? Yeah, you're, you're, when, you're, when the buds are starting to emerge, you need to be in there and protecting those buds as they're emerging. And 
give a rule of like you're, it's hard to say you wouldn't give a calendar date for this this is going to be a case that you're going to have to get in and start to look at that because it'll be driven um by the weather conditions and temperatures etc um over the next few months i suppose, I suppose one with the other it's, it's always generally very early much earlier than cereal crops and that kind of thing exactly and and, there much quite early yeah exactly and what i would say is we tend to have we tend to have a crop walk here in in in, in spring in, uh, in i think around the start of february and and every year it's a case and look, we go out and we start to see the buds emerge and we start to see light leaf spot at the same time. And the, the sort of thing is we tend to say, look, if you haven't sprayed, get spraying it. Um, yeah. you know, just by, so almost by mid-February. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So um, just in terms then of the, uh, the, again, thinking about those main diseases like leaf spot and foam that you're talking about, what exactly are the control strategies? What's, what are the fungicides that, that farmers should be thinking about? Yeah, so it's, it's fairly limited, being honest, and we're really... To a certain extent, reliant on propionyl, something like a like proline. It is the most active um, against both of those diseases. And uh, now, what I would say about the, the light leaf spot is that we have some work ongoing here, looking at fungicide resistance in in, in Pinaparisia brassica, the, the the pathogen that causes light leaf spot. And we do know that there is a shift in population, so it is shifting towards the azoles, and that does include propionyl. We believe that actually that efficacy is still isn't affected at the field level. But we do see that actually it is sort of it is moving and it's not just a case in Ireland. We have been involved in a project and that has published on this from a European perspective that there is a shift in population to the years old fungicides. So even though it is the one that we have to use, we have to be careful in how we go about using it. And that comes back to actually that sort of scenario that if you don't have to spray for it at this stage um, for light leaf spot, you don't don't spray. If, if it isn't there, there's not, it's not necessarily to do it. Um, if it if foam is there, look, undoubtedly it will be hitting some light leaf spot, but you have to be controlling that foam also. So there is that a, a sort of a, a compromise there, but it is a case of being aware that the more we use these things, uh, I suppose the, the 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 shorter the amount of time that they will be affected. So is there a balance then between control and that resistance management? So uh, I suppose to a degree, a farmer is always going to look at it. A crop that's in front from this year, um, and if if there's if if there's a light leaf spot threat there. Is it uh, kind of a, a half rate or a full rate we're talking about in terms of, of um, proline? Yeah, I think it's it's about a half rate, Michael, is probably going to be uh, sufficient at this stage. Um, I think is, and we do know that luck dose and, and rate will drive resistance in, in, in terms of fungicides. Uh, for most of the diseases, the higher you go with the rate, the, the increased resistance selection that will be occurring. So it is about matching that rate to the risk, as you do say, yeah. Okay. And then when we come back, then we talk about um, some of these fungicides. They, they, some of them have an effect or a PGR effect or a, a plant shortening effect, effect, I suppose, if you like. Which ones are those and are they worthwhile using this year, given the size of crops this year, maybe in comparison to where it would be other years? Yeah, so the, the fungicides that have a PGR, they, they are the azoles, but they're specific. They're metconazole and tebuconazole. So your, your cramba or your follicular type. Uh, products. Um, in terms of their, their sort of uh, level of uh, growth regulatory effect, that's going to be to some extent related also to the weather uh, and the, the temperatures and things like that. And as it gets cooler, they, will, they won't have that same, same effect. Um, and the question would be, are, are, are crops requiring uh, sort of a growth regulatory effect at, at this stage? Um, and that's that's a difficult question, being honest, because like as I say, crops will be getting it will be getting cooler um, as we go over the next couple of months, so that sort of the, the growth will be slowed down itself also. Um, one thing to note all is that metconazole and tebuconazole, they're not not hugely effective against light leaf spot. 
but they are also azoles. So even though we talk about them as a growth regulatory effect, they're also going to potentially be impacting um, the light leaf spot population. And as I said, look, we do know that there is a shift in population to the azoles. So if these are going to be used for a growth, reg reg growth regulatory sort of aspect, they potentially could be impacting the light leaf spot population. So again, it's this aspect of a sort of a compromise and assessing the risk. What is the risk of a, sort of a impact from, from a, a big crop, for example? Is it greater than, I suppose, the impact potentially of the light leaf spot and lack of light leaf spot control later in the season? In terms of, I'm not exactly sure what we're saying. Are we telling people that if you have a very big crop that a PGR probably is necessary? Or are we saying that, well, you know, on balance, don't worry about that because we'll try and protect the fungicides long term in terms of their their um, resistance aspect. Yeah, this is this is the balancing aspect of it, Michael. Being honest, in terms of it, a growth regulatory effect. So we do know that there there are a, no, a number of other sort of growth regulators specifically that aren't are, aren't is uh, available. That potentially, if you do have a a crop that really requires it, that there's a potential issue, potential for lodging next year. That actually, then you 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 will need that uh, growth regulator. Whether you need an azole to do that, or whether it's a better option to use one of the other, is is the question that is going to come back to that. You know, no, I think that's good advice because in fairness, there's there is um, a, a bit of a decision to be made there, and 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 perhaps um, you know farmers should consider that carefully, maybe with their with their advisor or agronomist around that. So um, I just want to ask you one final question. I suppose it does have a little bit of an impact. I suppose as regards. Um, the size of crops that are out there um, the price of nitrogen is is gone through the roof at the moment. It's kind of, if people are to be, be believed, it's probably three times the price almost today. Um, so is there any scope, do you think, next year in terms of reducing the level of nitrogen input on oilseed rape? I think one of the things about uh, oilseed rape in, in come the springtime is that we, we can tend to lose a lot of our, our green leaf uh, through things like pigeons and things like that. And you don't want to be basically losing that because that's losing potential. And um, so you want to try and keep them as keep the, as much of the canopy as possible into the spring. Now it does, it does come back to that aspect about that balancing between a crop that is going to be too far forward um, and where you could potentially have issues with lodging. Um, but also then look at one of the things, as I say, look, trying to keep those pigeons out and keeping them uh, from stripping the crop where you're actually going to be required to put on more in is going to be vital next year. Okay, so I suppose um, the, the, the oilseed rape is one of these unique crops and it's very, very different to cereals in the fact that it can retain nitrogen. So the more nitrogen you gather up this time of the year, the less you have to put on next time of the year. And that's really all defined around uh, the green leaf area that should be taken somewhere around kind of February, as you, as you were chatting about that before, and kind of at that February time, uh, which dictates the early nitrogen input. So um, as you say, Stephen, I think it's great that um, there is a potential to um, hopefully reduce the, that nitrogen input uh, and, and potentially preserving some of the margin that's there. Yep. That's great, Stephen. Listen, Stephen, thanks very much for uh, for joining us again. Uh, you're, you're, you're great to, uh, to come on. We've had you a number of times this year and we'll be having you back again. So thanks very much for your input. No problem at all. So that's it for the Tilly Judge. And my thanks to Stephen for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chargus.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.